Welcome to Borderline, my friends, the spontaneous outpourings of a sorcerer who's a little bit skits. I am your host, Danny Buckler, podcasting's Danny Buckler. If you're listening to the audio version, welcome, I appreciate you. If you're watching the YouTube version of the show, there's two things. One, you get to enjoy my weight loss journey, and two, you can hit subscribe, you can hit like, you can hit the bell, you can hit the share, do all the things that need to be done to help me build a following which I'm doing quite well at, thanks very much. It's still a new podcast and the mumba's growing. So welcome new listeners, new viewers, new followers. Thank you very much for making this one of your podcasting choices. Mm. <clears throat> I've been trying to get unstuck this week. That's what I've been up to. I've been uh, I've been on a sort of enforced retreat, if you like. Details, are, uh, details to follow about that, but... I've been home, I've been here, I've been in Buckler Studios, but climbing the walls, I'm bored, there's nothing to bloody do. So I've uh, invested in something, I've invested in one of those masterclasses, the BBC Maestro ones. Now I've drawn a line under that, because you can get us stuck into a cycle of being the eternal learner. I've already spoken about my self-help book addiction. For those of you that don't know, I basically live in a library, there's about two or three thousand of the bloody things piled up around here. The self-help ones are pretty much gone now. I've binned them. It's, it's all spiritual ones now. But I went for a, a phase. You can get stuck in a cycle of like never-ending self-improvement that goes nowhere. Do you know what I mean? All you're doing is reading all these things. and th You think you're doing something, but you're not. It's an addiction like any other. It can be. It certainly was for me. Um, too much bloody reading, not enough doing, you know. And, and I ended up in a position where a few years ago, oh, no, long, a long time ago now, but... I ended up having to move back home as an adult man, and that was embarrassing. I knew more about how to make money and how to be Mr. Positive Thinking than anyone else on earth, and there I was, miserable as sin, lying on a Z-bed cot thing in my mum's house, in the, the room that I grew up in, surrounded by crates, piles of crates, like the last 10 minutes of Raiders of the Lost Ark, crates and boxes all full of books on how to change and improve my life mental piled around me afraid that they might collapse at any second and actually kill me you know murdered by a the a falling box of irony but the upper you know there you go it's an addiction i'm over it now and i've been most of the books i've still got the good ones around here but i draw a line i drew a no more causes no more self-help and, and i've been true to that for a good um few years now i've been living it rather than doing it i've been following the Tao. you know what i mean and telling other people how to do that as well when they've asked me. And um, yeah, life has never been better. But I have had a bit of a, a situation has arisen where I've not been able to go out and about as much as I would like. And I've been at home and I've been wanting to improve myself. And I'm just, you can't read the same shit anymore. Tony Robbins has got nothing else left to say to me. I've got the point. I've got the message. I've put down the phone. But then I see that Alan Moore has done a, a BBC Maestro masterclass on writing. Now, there's a difference there, right? It's Alan Moore for a start. And he's got some stuff to say, and I want to hear it. And it's one of those cases where even if he's going to say things that I've heard before, or he's going to say things that I already know, I want to hear him say them because he's got one of those ways of talking. He's riveting. Very few of us like that. Very few of us you just sit down and listen to of an evening, talking just off the top of their heads. <laughs> 20 episodes of it, mate. Uh, average of 25, 26 episode, minutes an episode. That's a good eight hours of stuff I've produced. I'm quite pleased with myself. All 
all sorts as well. I was looking at them. I've, I've talked about all sorts on here. I don't know what this podcast even is anymore. Sometimes it's film. Sometimes it's spirituality. Sometimes it's just stories. Do you know what I mean? I've got no plan. Um, sometimes it's getting Obi-Wan wrong. Oh, didn't I get it wrong? The Obi- I did an episode reviewing Obi-Wan. And at the time I reviewed it, the first four or five episodes had gone out. And I had some issues with it. All of which got resolved in the last three episodes. Making me look quite the tit. Because that's sitting there now. I've had one Star Wars fan come at me on the uh, on the TikTok. God bless them, and they were right as well. Let me see if actually I'll see if I can get it up, and I'll uh, I'll read you what I uh, what somebody said. I'll edit this bit because I'm looking something up. Yeah, so I launched into this whole sort of thing about how um oh, I'm in stereo here about how um you know Obi Wan's on Tatooine, he's let himself go a little bit, and how he's not using the force like he should and he's not maintaining his skills and I think he should be maintaining his skills and I didn't buy that that aspect of the character. And I shared this little clip on the internet to try and generate some interest in this podcast. And um, Callum Del Mar comes, commented on one of the videos I put on TikTok. He's protecting Luke on Tatooine. When someone uses the force, another person with the force can sense it. Hence why he doesn't do his Jedi stuff. Got me! Bang to rights! He's right. Callum's correct. That's of course he wouldn't use the force. If he uses the force, other force users will sense it and they'll come and get him and find Luke. No wonder he's keeping it on the down low. So I replied. Oh, didn't think of that. Thanks. (laughs) Go on then. God, I'm awful at social media. And Callum, to his eternal credit, replied. It's cool. Callum, you're a legend. Thank you for pointing that out to me. But. Yeah, all the, all my issues got resolved. All the how does she know he's Vader? Oh right, that got revealed, and it's actually spectacular and makes her character better. And um, yeah, all that everything fell into place. And the last episode, by the way, is spectacular. It really came together. There, to be honest, I'm telling you, it's a three episode thing that they stretched over six. It should have been three episodes. It is drawn out to all hell, but I did love it. And at the at the end, make the final two episodes make what's come before better. So, you know, it's, it's all good now. I like the whole thing. I love it. I've got no issues with it at all now. All my little questions were resolved. And that last episode is a belter. No spoilers here. It's still new at the time of recording. I don't want to spoil it for you. But some incredible stuff. Some great Vader stuff. Some great stuff is revolved, resolved. And it links in beautiful with... It, it bridges that gap to the Obi-Wan that we all know and love from A New Hope. I'll be content if they leave him alone now. That story's done. I don't need another series of Obi-Wan. They'll probably do one. Like, I don't need a Joker sequel, and we're getting one of those. And I really don't need that. I'm hoping that that, the the rumour about the Joker sequel is it's going to be a musical with Lady Gaga involved. And I'm hoping that turns out to be some sort of a crazy, ooh, you never can tell with the Joker kind of thing to put us off the track. I'm torn. I do want to see Joaquin Phoenix's Joker again. I just don't want to, but I don't want it to be a, the one thing about that film that's still, it's a flawless thing, but it's it's other people talking about, not the film itself, is this idea that he's not actually the Joker, that, that some people have posited the view that he's, he's not the Joker and he'll turn out to be the man that inspires the Joker that Batman goes on to face. I don't like that. I want him to be the Joker. Do you know what I mean? Like the end of that story, that arc, the way it's left, the way it's ended, he is the Joker. He he knows who he is. He, 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 he uh, It's a beautiful film. It really is a beautiful film. 
All right, and leave it alone. Le that's it. He's the Joker. We're done. There's no need to bloody... Don't, let's not piss about with multiple Jokers. Or is this guy the Joker? Maybe that guy's the Joker. I, I, I don't need that anymore. Enough with all this crapperoo. He's the Joker. That's it. Thank you. <sighs> and speaking of... Which brings us back to Alan Moore. Because Alan Moore wrote... The masterclass of Alan Moore that I'm, I'm watching. I've only about five or six segments into it. I am loving it. I am loving it so much. Alan Moore is... A, I love him. I love his work. And I love to hear him talk about his work. And I love to just... I just Everything about him. His philosophy. His way of approaching things. There are two comic book writers that I adore. And, I, and, and, and depending on my mood, depends on who's my favourite. And it really does depend on my brain chemistry, which I've learned to just let go of now. You know, my opinions change all the time. My favourites change all the time. It's just the way I'm wired. I don't get... Which is great, because it means I don't get locked into any kind of dogma. I'm just, I just shift with, you know, it's the, the chaos magic idea. Every, nothing is true. Everything is permitted. Uh, so one day this will be my favourite film. The next day that'll be my favourite film. And it doesn't matter. Um, so these two boys, I mean, they kind of all, they're pretty much equal in my eyes. And then, but depending on my mood, one will be my favorite. One will be, I'll go down a rabbit hole on one. Then I'll go down. Anyway, and that is Grant Morrison and Alan Moore. I've spoken about them both on this podcast. I'm dare say I'll speak about them both again. Two brilliant comic writers, both created seminal work, both have created work that has touched me quite deeply. Some of it, you know, I mean, life changing shit. I mean, these are not, these are not, um, you know, if you're not into comic books, trust me on this. These are adult writers writing very deep on deep subjects, potential, potential, potential worldview altering stuff. You can't read the invisibles and come out the other end, the same bloke, you know, the same goes for Alan Moore's work. You can't read Promethea. I mean, they change you. They change your consciousness. They change your awareness, they change your perception and that makes them real magicians, which they both are. And they, this is the other weird thing. They're both massive rivals. They don't like each other. I'm not going to get into that too much because I don't understand the ins and outs of it. I understand why. I, I, I know the story, but I know that they don't like each other, but there's so much going on there. It's unbelievable. Um, and they're both practising magicians as in occultists both practicing magicians they live their life through the lens of magic which i also love i love that they're out there with it you know i talk about my woo woo stuff and my and i'm a little bit embarrassed because i'm thinking about my mates listening to this and thinking here he goes again nutter alert but when you look at alan moore's definition of what a magician is it's it, it he He's doing it in this masterclass. He's talking about writing, but he's making he makes parallels between writing and magic, and he's bang on the uh, the idea that you know a magician is someone. This is Alan Moore's take on the thing. Um, you know that that can create something in their imagination where only they can perceive it, and bring it from their imagination down into the real world where everyone can read it. And everyone can see it, creating something from nothing, manifesting something from nothing. For real, not the secret, not sitting on your couch, imagining a car, and there it is on the drive. 
but genuinely creating something in imagination and then bringing it into the real world where other people can see it. And not only that, bringing something into the real world where other people can see it that could potentially alter how they see the world. An act of genuine magic, if you like. Which means that all my comedian mates, who have got no interest in esoteric subjects, and why should they, you know... It's, it's horses for courses. I'm not interested in football, but you know we're still best friends. But um, it doesn't matter, you know. But even though they would probably look at me and go, "Oh, don't be daft, don't be daft, Buckler," but they're all real magicians, all of them, the creative ones, because they've all got the ability to imagine something bring it out of their imagination into the real world where everyone can see it. And that's an act of magic. That's what magic is. Um, yes, yeah, they're all powerful. No, no, the most powerful magicians I know would never describe themselves as such. I don't even think of themselves as such. They just are it. They're living it. They're creators. They're creative people. Ay. If you look at it from that point of view. Which Alan Moore does. And he gets into it in this masterclass. Into like the writing process. The creative process. It's really interesting shit. Again it's 34 segments. I'm about 8 in. But I'm loving every minute of it. You know you're listening to someone talk. And you're just thinking everything you say. I agree with. Everything you say. There's nothing you've said on this. I do not agree with. You're amazing. And you're also making me want to do more. I don't do enough. More is making me want to do more. Yeah, so I recommend that masterclass. If you're in a creative slump, which I am at the moment, that's a great way to get yourself over it. He's got me thinking about things. I'm rewriting my shows. I'm the ideas for new shows that hopefully will see the light of day one day. That's my problem. I, I, I start too much. I, don't, I never finish nothing. I've got to knuckle down. Unlike this podcast, which I do finish. I've gone on a little bit of a tangent. I've met Alan Moore. Yeah, so you've got Grant Morrison, Alan Moore, I've, and what's weird is I've got one degree of separation from both of them in that I've got lots of mutual, lots of friends that are friends with these, are close friends with these respective men. I've got at least three people I know that are very close friends of Grant Morrison's and at least three people that I know that are very close friends of Alan Moore. And God forbid that any of them should ever facilitate me actually meeting either of them. But there you go. <laughs> I get it. Protect your... He's my special friend. Protect your mate. I do get it, actually. I've got famous mates. And I've got... And other mates find out you've got a mate who's famous. And they want to meet them. And, oh, can I meet him one day? And you're like, well, yeah, socially. I'm sure it might work out. But, you know, you don't want to hassle your... You know. So I get it. But, um... I have met Alan Moore. I have hung out with him. Only once. But, oh, God, it was profound. It really was. It was a brilliant night in London. Picture the scene. I wanted to meet him. Alan Moore wrote The Killing Joke. Getting back to Joker. So The Killing Joke is... Um, anyway, it all works out, you see, how it's all linked together. The Killing Joke is considered to be, I think, I can speak quite freely here, the greatest Joker story ever written by most comedy comic pundits. Um... I would go along with that. It's incredible. It's a very simple story. It, it is the story of the Joker deciding that he is going to prove 
to the world that the only difference between him and anyone else is one bad day and that he can take the best of us and drive that person mad, as mad as he is. And that is his mission to prove this to the Batman, that that's all, that it's chaos and that there's no meaning. It's a very deep, you know, you can read it multiple times and get multiple meanings out of it. Um, and in, a, in parallel to this story, we also have the story of a comedian, a down-on-his-luck comedian, who has become involved with gangsters, who is desperate, who is failing, who is defeated, who has a baby on the way, and uh, is being pushed to the edge of his nervous system by society, and possibly by his own mental illness. He doesn't really go into that, but it's obvious that this man is suffering. And these two stories are running in parallel. Or are they? I don't want to spoil it any more than that. It is a brilliant read. It's a brilliant read. And I stress the comic books are brilliant because somebody decided to adapt it into a novel. There was, there was an animated film of it. But the animated film of it, which is, is great when it actually starts, the killing joke don't start till halfway through. To pad out the animated film, they've put on another 25 minutes of utter shite of some tagged on plot where... Basically, it's about Batman and Batgirl and ends up with Batman having coitus with Batgirl on a roof in the piss rain. For no reason. That bears no relationship to what happens in The Killing Joke. They just, just did it, just because. So if you check out the animated film version, it don't start until... All I'm saying is it, that, that animated film doesn't start. Ignore everything that comes before the rain. The rain is the start of The Killing Joke, all right? And then someone else adapted that story into a novel because, of course, you would. Of course, you'd look at the uh, the Killing Joke, the one of the most perfect comic books of all time, and go, you know what? I can make this better. I'll tell you what this is missing: a subplot where Batman has sex with Batgirl on the roof of Gotham, of one of the Gotham buildings. I'm going to put that in. Oh yeah, I'm going to be controversial. That's my move. What's yours? I'm a creative. That's the opposite of a magician. That's a hack, mate. And there's plenty of them in the show business and all. That's someone, you know, the person that there's, oh, there's the, the person that can, as I've explained, that can create something that no one's ever seen before in their imagination and then bring it down into reality where other people can see it. And then there's the guy that oh, can't do that and so, but still wants to hear the applause. Can't do that, but still wants the praise. Still wants the applause. Still wants to be the big shot. And they can't perform anything. They haven't seen somebody else perform first. So they see someone else do a thing and they take it and they present that as their own work. That is the very opposite of a magician. That is a git. And there's plenty of them around at the moment and they're making a lot of money. It's upsetting to me. But there you go. Microphone's falling. Oh, hang on a second. Let me just make a technical adjustment. I'll be cutting this bit out. So I, I hang out sometimes at the Atlantis Bookshop in uh, Museum Street. If you don't know it, it's a very ancient occult bookshop. I believe the oldest in London. Um, wonderful, wonderful place. It is run by Barley and Geraldine Baskin, who are two of my favourite people on earth. I don't really hang around uh, those sort of groups that much anymore, but I do hang around there because they're good people and they're genuine practitioners. They're genuinely cool people. Um, and they're, like, they're experts as well in their field. I mean, as you would be, you've grown up in it, you've lived it, you've breathed it. That shop's been passed down mother to daughter for generations. Um, and it features in some Alan Moore comic books. It's in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. There's an episode one of the characters goes to visit it. 
he's got strong links with the shop. And um, they organised, or they used to be part of a group. It was called the Moot With No Name. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was a group of uh, people that are interested in esoterica. They'd meet at this pub, good beer, good grub and a good talk. It was a good night out. Um, saw some great talks there, actually. Went and saw some great people. But anyway, they did a special one, didn't they? And because it was Alan Moore, it was on the download. It was kind of like... Normally, you just turn up and it was an open house, but this, you had to get a ticket for it. it, had to be, it wasn't, I don't think it was invite only. I think you could just go, but you had to be on the list because it was going to be full. And I was straight in there. Me and my brother went down. Phenomenal evening. He was incredible. He, hold, he held court for a good hour and a half. Um, and he, he talked about everything. He talked about his, his life in the occult, basically. He focused very much on that. And his and magical practice and some of the some stuff that is some of the stuff I'm hearing in this masterclass, but a lot of it I'm not because the masterclass is about writing, and this was very much about his. He just described some rituals that he did and uh, things that he's seen, stuff he's done with Steve Moore, the big bumper book of magic he's writing that should hopefully come out one day because he's been writing that forever. I've given up on that. That's been on Amazon's coming soon list for like ten years. Just a great guy, but like, also a bit terrifying. He had a way of looking at the like he was sort of stalking up and down as he was doing his talk, and like, I can't even describe it. Like his body was moving, but his head wasn't. It was like really interesting way he had of moving and talking, but also very, very. He came very kind eyes. He was very um open with people and chatting and. But he's got a presence. You get the sense when he's looking at you that he's seeing what Neo sees in the Matrix. Like he's not seeing you. He's seeing streaming information. <laughs> like <laughs> he's, he's not just see, he's not seeing the physical person. He's seeing you, but he's seeing every aspect of you. He's seeing your dreams, your hopes, your ideas, your values, all the different little things that make up a person that are all contained within the skull, within the nervous system, that no one ever sees. We just see that surface. But you feel like he's seeing beyond that. He's seeing you two metres behind your head. He's seeing the code of you and the code of everything else. He's seeing how you arise out of that code. <laughs> Entirely my prediction, by the way. He might not be seeing that. He might just be, like, staring at you. I don't know. But that's what it felt like. It felt like he was seeing... Me at the level of atoms when I actually met him. I met him afterwards. Um, a, mate, a mate introduced me to him properly. My friend, um, Andrew O'Neill, the comedian that I work with. And he's a practicing occultist and uh, he knows him and he was there. So he actually introduced me to him, which was quite nice. And, um, you know, and he said, oh, this is Danny. He's into all the things. Oh, yes, you were saying. Yes, indeed. Yes. Hey, Alan Moore knows who I am. Really lovely to meet you, mate. And very brief exchange we had. You know, shook hands. I shook the hand that wrote the killing joke. That was a bit cool. My brother met him as well. Very nice to meet you, Timothy. It was nice to hear Alan Moore say my brother's name. And we sat down and just sort of listened to him for a, like, listened to him talk for a bit. It was far. Ah, incredible. What a brain. It's all in this masterclass. It's all in this master. You've got to, if you're interested in writing, you should definitely give it the listen. And I'll tell you what, have a look on YouTube at some Alan Moore clips to give you the flavour. There's some great stuff of him talking. There's some excerpts from a documentary he did. Um, what was it bloody called? 
the whole thing must be up there. There's a documentary about him um, where he talks about writing and magic and being an eccentric and watchman and other stuff that he's done. Hmm. I forget the name of it. What's the documentary called? That's embarrassing, isn't it? The famous Buckles memories fading. So yeah, I've been doing that. I've been killing time with that. Trying to create things. Trying to get into that magical space where you create stuff. Where you make stuff. Like a podcast, for example. This is an act of magic right now, my friends. There was nothing. Now there's something. 20 minutes ago, there was nothing. I tune into my imagination. I open up. Down it comes into a form where you can now see it, hear it, watch it. And now something exists. An act of magic. And you can do it. Anyone can do it. What do you need? A notebook? A pen? Half an hour? A laptop? A camera? Don't take much. I'd seen Alan Moore before I met him. He, um... Nothing, no major story. Just I was with my mate Chris Power. It was a winter. It was a winter in London. I'm going back a good twenty years here, um, more than that. And we used to all meet up on a Saturday afternoon for a magic. I was in conjuring chat. There was a group of us used to meet in the Pizza Express, and I'd just sort of sit there and hang off every word everyone was saying. And um, we were hanging around the, where where that TK Maxx is now on Charing Cross Road, and walking along in the sort of cold winter. And um, Chris just went, oh, Christ, there's Alan Moore. And I looked, and there he was. He's walking straight down the path next to us, just striding. We had that, the, he had this, the sorcerer's gaze on, and that he was looking straight ahead, but he wasn't bumping into anybody, and his eyes weren't moving. I could see him doing it, moving, negotiating the people without, because I've since found out it's a thing where you kind of go into your peripheral vision very much. It's a shaman's thing. You, when you walk through a city, you spend a lot of time in your peripheral vision, because... You notice things, you believe, you see things, the city kind of speaks to you, is the idea. And I've done that since, and it's sort of true, actually, it is true, I've done it. I've gone for walks around in my peripheral awareness, and it, it's an odd feeling, but you get little, you see things you wouldn't see normally. You wouldn't see if you're just normally looking forward and letting your eyes go where they wanted. By engaging, consciously engaging your gaze, you see little things seem to pop out of you, little ideas, little messages. Strode, but Christ, he radiated power. Boom, boom, just walking. You know, there's walking down the street and then there's walking down the street. You know what I mean? Boom, boom, boom. Again, that Matrix thing. It felt like with his each step, he was creating his own reality as he moved forward. Again, could be my projection, but that's what I saw. Chris had met him before. It's really weird. Chris had met him before socially, before that day. Chris had shown him a card trick, in fact. Chris does an illusion where you have a deck of playing cards. Someone uh, thinks of one and then uh, it, re and it appears under your pint glass in front of you. And there's no way of knowing how it got there. It's incredible when he does it. Incredible. And I'll not break kayfabe on this podcast. And that was a piece that he'd done for Alan Moore in a pub. And Alan Moore said to him, if I'd seen that five years ago, there'd have been a magician character in, uh, in Watchmen. Which I thought was a cool quote, which Chris has never used and he should. So it was weird. He'd met Alan Moore socially. We both saw Alan Moore in the street. And then I saw Alan Moore socially. Uh, met Alan Moore socially a few years later. You know what I mean? Because time works backwards. It's a block universe. Everything that's ever happened has already happened. And everything that's going to happen has already happened. And we're just moving through it. Is uh, another one of Alan Moore's theories. 
So, <laughs> there you go. A little bit of an Adam Moore fest on this episode, and a bit rambly and a bit waffly, but there we are. That's borderline, mate. I don't plan it, and that's the uh, way it comes out. Friends, thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for supporting it with your attention, with your time. I appreciate all of you. Please give it a share. Give it a like, and I'll see you on the very next one.